Well, hello from my side. Hello from my side. We're back to hello from my side. <laughs> we, we can't have shots, but we were thinking today, when we heard the first hello from my side, what, how should we mark it? It's, we just, if you missed last week's episode, we just noticed that Europeans, when they're doing presentations, they just like to say, and that's all from my side, and hello from my side. Hello from my side, and that is all from my side. Just opening some water here. So welcome to uh, this week's uh, Driving Forces uh, podcast. Everyone like our new uh, picture on our podcast? Yeah, I like the new picture. I like the new picture too. That was taken at a press conference as well, uh, outside of a podcast room. That was a podcast room. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which with the live thing, I thought it was quite interesting. But uh, it is our new um, uh, picture taken. That is water, by the way. It's not wine. No, it's not wine. I don't Just know. We're, we're in Frankfurt. Frankfurt. We are far from home again. Mm-hmm. On the road again. Like we <laughs> This podcast has become a roaming across Europe podcast. <laughs> which is okay. So we're here at a, a Kia Summit, which is um, kind of a, a look ahead for the next few years for, for Kia. They want to have 70% of sales by 2030 will be battery electric vehicles it's mad isn't it to hear that statistic yeah they've sold yeah. 1.5 million electric vehicles in Europe already yeah they would have sold more if there wasn't a lockdown and didn't have yeah. supply problems so you can imagine how much they would have sold if they didn't have that uh, semiconductor problem and generally just lockdown uh, during the Covid thing where the factories just shut down entirely like 1.5 million I don't know how many cars there are in Ireland is there 2 million cars maybe I'd there's 2.5 million privately owned vehicles right was the last now that's a few years I checked that it might be slightly higher now but it was definitely 2.5 million um, but like transport we were talking we're, now we're under embargo for this so this can't come out until the 30th talking about the car that's here we can talk about other things but we can't talk about the car that we're actually here to see so mm. the half this podcast is about a car that's under embargo well come back to us later in the month for that version of yeah. we'll be talking to some of the experts but it'd be interesting to see what because there's now a sort of a disconnect between the price of an EV versus how much a first time driver can get into the market but another factor is coming is electrification of bicycles and mm. scooters um, and how many young drivers will not buy a car because they've got an electric bicycle for they don't need the it of transport because they don't need it anymore. yeah they don't need yeah. it because it is a headache I drove to Dublin city centre the other day and mother of God, it's not only is it really complicated, but it's hugely congested. Well, they've, they've, I think, since COVID, they've made it purpose, purposely complicated. Yeah. If you're coming up towards Christchurch, for example, from Clambrassel Street, there's these plastic stumpy things sticking out of the road. It's straight for one lane. It's right for half a lane. And it's prioritised for cyclists, in my opinion, which is, which is fine, but... Just call it. Yeah. Just, and like, I know they're now stopping cars from going down College Green. Um, yeah, they're just kind of banned anyway. But or open the road. Don't do these half measures. Yeah. Because some of the road is open to traffic at some point. It doesn't make any sense like to I, drive. I'm not against you not being allowed to drive into the city centre in a car. But I, I, I just think they should just make the decision. I'm actually a big fan of trains and taking the Lewis in public transport yeah. wherever I possibly can. I do it all the time. When I come to Dublin, I will 99% get the train from Portlaoise. I'm fortunate enough to live within walking distance of a train station in Portlaoise. Yeah. I take me straight to Dublin on, on a, a, an intercity rail train, which is 50 minutes. Now, if you get the commuter train, it's an hour and 10. And they're not comfortable mm. and they're not equipped. There's no overhead baggage compartments in the commuter train. So we've made these weird decisions. Yeah with public transport for decades and now we're suddenly going but public transport is the only way that we have to go forward and we're not investing <coughs> now do you think Irish Rail a few weeks ago 
put out images of new dart carriages. Mm. I don't, I can't remember exactly. Were they five years away? I think they'd ordered them. Now they did look fairly sophisticated compared to the darts yeah. of today. Um, but yeah, it would be nice. I mean, if you make things easy for people, they will. They'll use. It doesn't matter what it is. Like, make it a bit cheaper. Give you somewhere to charge your device. Somewhere mm. to put your bag on. A footrest to put your feet on. Like these are all things that are just standard in Germany. You know, it's just Transport for Ireland put out a brand new app the other day. Supersedes their old app, which I used to use the old app, which was rubbish. It just didn't. It was no joined up thinking it at all. So they brought out a new app, which is now a skin on the same sort of interface. So it's still pretty poor in trying to get you. So what they're trying to do is connect you up. So to get you from buses to a train to a thing. So. I'm going from Port Leash and I want to go to Stevens Green and it tries to give give you all the times of all the things that are happening between those two destinations, mm. but it favours buses, not Lewis. Um, sure, Google Maps will tell you that. Google Maps, well, actually you can buy the tickets on nearly Google Maps. You can look at the ticket times and where you can buy the tickets and get taxis and free now is all integrated to Google Maps. So it's one of those, another app that we didn't need because we need the ones that we use every day to actually mm. function properly. Um, speaking of apps, one I have to recommend to anybody who's not aware of it, I'm sure lots of people are, but it's called a Better Route Planner. Mm. And if you have an EV, it is a must-have app. And things it does, for example, if you wanted to drive from Donegal to Cork, it will let you input the model of car you're in. Uh, you can put in exactly what your state of charge is. So let's say you've got 80% in your battery sitting inside your house. You tell the app you've got 80%, and it will tell you, one, if you're going to make it, or two, if you need to stop where and for how long, and it even tells you how much it will cost you to charge for 20 minutes or whatever. That's all free on that. There is a paid version yeah. of the app as well, isn't there? There's, There's a, a paid version. Um, it gives you, you can put in live weather, which can you know affect the battery performance. Um, I'm not sure of the other features, but even the even the free version is is absolutely brilliant. Mm. So these are must-have things if you are going into EV zone these are little tippy things that we've learned the hard way sometimes yeah and just, and just from word of mouth but if you were traveling even across europe this summer if you're going camping in, in an ev if you have one that can actually tow something um it'd be it'd be brilliant uh, another the app thing related i saw this week for anyone who has parking tag so the idea of that is you, you put in your payment details and you put in your car and you're never you you're never looking for change again and if a clamber comes up to your car they scan the reg and they know that you're, you're paid up I'm sure again a lot of people have it but for years AA uh, who have their AA membership if you were a, a roadside member I think it's what is it 10 or a month or something like that, yeah. you got 4 cent off at Circle K per litre of fuel now parking tag are the same so if you're a, if you have a parking tag account it just comes up and you go into your Circle K if you're still on fuel uh, uh, diesel or petrol and you just scan the QR code, I think it is, at the, at the till, and you'll get four cent off a litre. So nice. There's a little money saving hack. There's some money saving as well, yeah, which are, which are even with petrol and diesel. Yeah, which, um, which would be handy. Um, trying to think of other. So actually, just the, the cheaper car you were talking about for people who want to get their first car, you've been driving something quite small, I quite have. electric. The smallest of all of Volkswagens, the, the E up the electrified version. Now it is an up, so if you've seen an up before, this is no different than other ups, just a slight change to the front of it. The day, daytime running lights now have that kind of curve to them that Volkswagen do. Uh, but the rest of the car is essentially the same as an ordinary up with five doors, but it's fully electrified, small little battery, like a 32 kilowatt, 38 kilowatt battery or something in it. Um, 
and they claim the range 350 real range, maybe 200 and something. Right. Uh, you were doing a bit of motorway driving there, I did you? motorway, yeah. I did quite a bit of motorway. Now, I never go over 100 kilometres an hour in an electric car on a motorway because you go so much further at 100 kilometres an hour than you do at 120. Yeah. It's only in the bigger cars, like the i7 and stuff, I did 120. Because it's just such a big battery anyway. It's designed for it. But um, the E-Up uh, actually came out a good 10 years ago. Like it, That's been around a long time. The it's up. been a GTI version of the Up. Yep. There's been GTI, there's been, there was one called a Swiss Up. It came with skis on the roof. This is all at Geneva Motor Show or Frankfurt Motor Show or some one of those motor shows from years ago that I was at. What did it have, a ski hatch or something? Why was it a Swiss Up? Yeah, Swiss, they had, uh, they had skis, a little roof box thing with skis beside it on the top. They had another cycle up. I can't remember what the name of that was called, but it had one with a bike on the roof. It was very clever. At the time, everything was getting smaller, not bigger. Mm. And then suddenly we did this total U-turn and we did the massive SUVs instead. <laughs> But if yeah. you remember, the Volkswagen up, Scottish City go and say it me, all come out at the same time. Oh, Those yeah, three yeah. cars were launched at the same time, which are all the same cars, just from different brands. Uh, and now we're back down to the up again. Now, I don't know how long this up is going to last on the market, but it's 26,000, give or take, euro. For a full EV. Yeah, it is totally full EV. It will seat four. There's four seatbelts in it. There's a boot in it. You will put stuff in the boot. I got two suitcases in that boot. It's not a big deal. Uh, it, it works as a proper car. Flat floor inside that's an automatic and heated seats and things in it. And what size battery did you say roughly it was? 38 kilowatt hour battery. 38? Yeah. It's the smaller of the batteries. But it, the, pro the two problems I came across, and a massive oversight for Volkswagen, one was that the onboard AC charger only charges 7.2 kilowatts. There is no 22 kilowatt option. Right. Which means if you pull up with a 22 kilowatt charger, you're only charging at the speed you charge at home anyway. So it's a small battery. It could have been charged in your lunchtime on a 22 kilowatt charger. So no overstay fee, slightly cheaper rates at certain places. And it doesn't even do 11 on those chargers? No, it does 7.2 okay. and that's the max it'll do in AC. DC, no. the max it does is 36. Wow. Okay. So it's but <laughs> it, look, both those options are more expensive. So I've yeah. just worked it out here. If it, if it is the 38, whatever it is, uh, kilowatt hour battery, if you're paying 38 cents per kilowatt hour at home, uh, some people are playing less, some people have solar, some people have night rates and all that stuff, but you know, the general rate is about 38 cents. It'll cost you less than 15 quid to fill up that E up. Yep. For about, th about 300 kilometers, give or take. So. It's not a cheap car to buy, I suppose, 26 grand. Years ago, that would have bought you a Golf GTI 20 years ago. It would have, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, that's not a bad proposition. It's a great car. If you're, look, if you're looking to actually do something for the environment and you're, you're thinking about going EV, buying a smaller battery means we're producing smaller batteries for you instead mm. of buying what we're looking at today, like a nearly 100 kilowatt hour battery, which is a massive battery. You, you can't even say that. It's embargoed. Huh? I know I thought embargoed, yeah, I know, massive, yeah, I can't talk, I can't talk about anything, it's terrible. <laughs> um, uh, our driver, a funny moment uh, today, oh, hilarious. our driver, so we, we arrived at this, we, this part isn't embargoed, <laughs> we arrived last night into uh, Frankfurt and uh, Kia sent a lovely uh, driver for us, and did she have a name badge or how did we find this no, out? No, no name badge, it was, it was, it was um, Cahal who asked what her name was just to be, to be the Irish friendly oh, yeah, thing yeah, we yeah, always yeah. do you know what's her name she's our driver for two days yeah. and her name was Nasty <laughs> <laughs> that's not a euphemism I'm not saying that her name is actually Nasty now it's spelled with an I not a it's Y it's spelled with an I yeah but, it's, it's but it did provoke a little bit of chuckling uh, because well, we didn't know if that's true because she said because you can imagine when you ask a woman her name she goes Nasty <laughs> and we go 
you're trying to figure out is she being nasty or is she being funny or anyway, that's actually her name but that's her real name nasty and we've had she's our driver today as well she dropped us out here and she's going to drive us to the airport to leave as well uh, yeah. that's the nature of our press launches we're, we're currently we have a Kia Cahill uh, Keeley's here as well um, who's newly into the Kia brand actually he's come from uh, IAM where he was and before that I think was Skoda he was so Skoda he gave me uh, in fairness to him he gave me some of my first Skoda press cars mm. no questions asked yeah, um, he's taken over from Aidan Doyle, which we mentioned many times in this podcast. He's taken, he's taken that role from Aidan now, and uh, he's moved into the Kia brand. Yeah, so effectively, he's he's like when David Moyes went into Man United with Alex Ferguson, watched him in the stands. But in fairness to Carl, his career has lasted longer than <laughs> yeah. David Moyes at Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> and in fairness, David Moyes, one of those managers, was like if he just had been given a bit more time. Just a bit more time, he would have been grand. It's going to be a productive few years now for, for Kia, for sure. The things we can mention, they're going to launch 15 new cars uh, over the next five to ten years, give or take. Um, uh, global brand cars, at least 11 of those are going to be European-centric cars. So, Yeah, and there's a, point, there's a point to what you're saying there. So, again, stuff we can talk about before the 30th of May. The EV9 is a car that has been designed for the American market. Correct. Now, that's it's designed by Americans, actually. It's actually designed in the American design house. That's not to say you can't use the car in Europe. Of course you can. But the proportions are quite big. <laughs> so, I mean, from my experience, even driving something like a Ford Ranger Raptor, if you bring that to the shops or you bring that to the school run, you kind of get looks from people. It doesn't fit anywhere either. You can't get into normal parking spaces. It's hard, yeah. Yeah. It does so, nose in parking spaces. You know the nose in yeah. where you, have to, you can't open the doors and things. <laughs> it's too big. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be a big vehicle, and we'll tell you more about it on, on the, the next episode when we have mm. a couple of, um, we ha we'll have the designer of the car on, we have on the, the podcast. The actual designer of the car gave us a talk on our podcast, and we have the global head of, uh, the head of global marketing was talking to us as well. He's from uh, the Netherlands, so. Really interesting guy. That was, he was a really, I thought that was going to be a very marketing talk, but it wasn't actually, it was actually quite an interesting talk. That's yeah. on next week's podcast, so. Yes. Um, what else have we been doing since the last book? I was in London. I was at uh, MG head oh, yeah, headquarters. I've only seen pictures. It looks like some pictures. So it's the MG Cyberster, which is a two-seater electric roadster. It's a convertible. Mm. Um, About the size of an MX-5 or a little bit bigger? Uh, a little bit bigger, yeah. Right. yeah. Longer. Longer, taller, definitely wider. It has scissor doors on it. So like an M, like a Z4 or something? Yeah, actually people commented on, on the video. It's up on my channel if you want to go have a look for it. Um, people have commented saying the rear quarter and stuff reminds them of the previous generation Z4. Mm. Um, like It's funny because we weren't given much information about the car. They were still kind of keeping it close to their chest but then there's other people saying oh this has been you know, detailed in China and it's 1800 kilograms and it's going to be the, the smaller battery version will be about 300 brake horsepower and the larger version will be 450. Um, the question, I mean, okay, so MG are, f are famous for the uh, MG4, which is still just about under 30 grand. Yeah. Um, and then the MG5 is 36,000 and 40,000 euro. And every taxi driver in Dublin is driving the last model MG5. There's a yep. new version now as well. But that's kind of the, the price that they're at whereas the Cyberster we have to assume it's going to be 70 grand plus 70 grand. now for that performance and that look of car and it is mm. beautiful looking I mean you, 
what would you compare it to? Maybe the Alpine or something like that. It'll still be probably cheaper than those kind of cars. But it will, yeah. I think Where it's competing, it's probably one of the more reasonably priced cars in that segment. But you do kind of want a little flat six or something sitting behind your ears. If you're going to buy a two-door sports car, yeah. there's nothing wrong with an MX-5 at nearly half the price. Like. Yeah, I've been looking at it, so I'm, I'd love something. Like, I I looked at 944s last year, and I went all the way to Galway to have a look Very at it. Very reliable, 944s. I went all the way to Galway to have a look at a beautiful 325 M Sport. It was in 1989, and it looked mint, and I got there, and it was full of rust, and it was like, <laughs> oh, God. But then I got thinking, um, and by the way, if you're interested in any of those cars, uh, Dave Humphreys, um, who's a uh, very well-respected motoring journalist here in Ireland, I'm sure a lot of you uh, watch Dave's stuff and read his stuff, he told me about a website called Auto Scout. Mm. It's a European-based site, so most of the stuff are left hookers, but you'll get, re uh, and it's because they're all from decent, like hot weather countries, the, the cars are generally free from rust, um, stuff in Spain and France and Germany, and... Um, like they're really good quality but if you wanted something classic and you're happy enough to drive a left-hand drive there's decent value there if you're going to drive it on the weekend no harm with the left-hand drive if you're going to drive it every day it's a bit of a pain it might be a bit of annoying for toll bridges and stuff like that. But toll bridges and drive-throughs and things like that but I was looking at MX-5 it's just even a done deal because um, they're, like they're, and like everything else they've gone up over the last few years a few years ago you'd buy a, a good one for like two and a half three grand <laughs> now yeah. it'll probably cost you closer to ten um, and there, there is like there's a snobbish attitude about MX-5s from certain people but if you slag off an MX-5 you generally haven't a clue what you're talking about because they are you one of the or you've never driven it yeah yep. they're one of the best bits of fun you will have in a all car all generations even the ones with the pop-up light in the front yeah. Gen 1 had pop-up lights Gen 2 has curved lights and then they stayed with the curved lights essentially on the front and never didn't pop up again because it was the only unreliable part was the, was the was pop-up pop lights. Yeah. They didn't know it was pop or it, it ended up being wonky and one, one's up, one's down. And the 323F had the uh, pop-ups as right, yeah. well in the early 90s. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of oh, hairdressers, Porsche, all those kind of it's comments about that. it. God, but they're great hard. fun. They are such... It, I, I love a car that you can actually use 100% of its power all the time. That's why I like that up as well from last week. Mm. You can use the throttle down to the floor on both those cars. MX-5 gives you a different answer, obviously. It's a rear-wheel drive, it's tiny, you're arse scraping on the ground. It's a lovely thing. But, mm. but when you drive them, you can actually drive them hard. And it, it gets better the harder you drive it. Yeah. But if you want to drive slow on a summer's afternoon with the roof down and the birds singing, it does all that as well. <laughs> the like birds you don't, singing. You don't need to worry about any of that stuff. Like you can hear the world outside as well. It's yeah. a beautiful experience. And they're one of the only car makers actually make something like that. So it's, it's cool to see MG come with a performance two-door roadster, but they have a long way to go to understand what a roadster is for, yeah, for well, battery power. You know? If it is 1,800 kilos, it's still on the heavier side. I mean, 1,500 kilos obviously would be better. It, it You can get it without a full steering wheel. Now, someone else commented saying the steering wheel hasn't been approved for road legal use. And I think those half steering wheels, like the Plaid S thing, yeah. the Tesla was bringing up, I think they're going to be illegal. Mm. Can you imagine going around, a, you know what, to explain a bit better, so you get a visual impression. So Tesla brought out this thing that looks like Knight Rider steering wheel. So yes. it's got, a, a, your hands go on the kind of quarter to three point of the steering wheel, but there's no other parts of the steering wheel. There's no top, That's, yeah. There's no top, and the bottom part is flat. So it's kind it's of like weird. It's a computer game, I suppose. Yeah, so it's like a video game version. Now, it clears the clutter off the dashboard, I get it. But when you go around a right corner, you make an emergency turn where you're going to grip any part of the steering wheel yeah. in the hope that it's there. 
and there's no steering there. Mm. So I don't know if NCAP or one of those kind of cars will knock off Star because the steering wheel won't be right. You know? Yeah, it, it, you do wonder. I mean, and there was a lot of comments in the video saying, oh, I wonder where they got that idea from, from, yeah. from Tesla. So, um, but then Tesla cut off Knight Rider from the 80s, so like, it wouldn't be... <laughs> Which, by the way, interestingly, uh, so Knight Rider, um, who, was, who was the blonde? Um, Devon. Do you remember Devon? Yes. Devon from Knight Rider. Who, what was his relationship to Michael? He was like father figure, but he was. Father figure, but I think he was the owner of the, the Knight, Knight Industries. Foundation or Knight Industries, whatever that was called. Well, Devon was born in Cork. Was he? The man who played him. I can't remember his name. He was born in Cork. I didn't know that. But the other, know that. the other person with a posh English accent we know was born in Cork is Neil Briscoe. Neil Briscoe, he's, he's another posh English accent. Yeah, he's German. Cork. Yeah, you never know he's from Cork for sure. <laughs> Uh, Neil actually has a lovely video of, up on the Irish Times app of the Mercedes Cosworth he was driving down in, is it Edge? Uh, Edge? Edward, Edgeworth Automotive, I think they are there in Cork. In Cork. Yeah, they've got Cork. some gorgeous stuff. Morgan out of his place one day as well. Uh, Wayne, I think, is Wayne. Wayne, he's a man who can arrange a car for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> he, has, he has got some, some beautiful stuff down there. Um, there is some collectors. I know so I've seen a couple of Ferraris recently as well, but Irish Red plates, brand new ones. like. Um, I was raised by so I see people are starting to feel the pressure. A lot of performance cars will drive around in English race, mm -hmm. so they don't have to pay the VRT. Because the VRT, I know it sounds like a, a dig to say that rich people should afford that, but the VRT in some of these cars is quarter of a million quid. Like that's it's huge amount of money, yeah. an inordinate amount of cash goes in for one car, for one model of that car yeah. in this country, um, is extortionate. And like I've heard stories of, of, of VRT looking for a million quid on Bugatti Veyrons and stuff as the as the VRT vehicle yeah. car. So if you think if you feel hard done by paying five grand for your VRT, think of the other end of the market where they can just about afford to get something performancey and then have to pay another quarter of a million quid in, in just a tax. Like. But even if you have loads of money, it's like the Bono effect. People going about tax. You know, if you were that wealthy and your accountant tells you about loopholes. That will help you save money it's not on illegal. tax. Yes, yeah, it's just I challenge anyone to say that they'd no, no. Do you know what? The Irish government deserve it. I'm going to give them <laughs> extra spend money. It wisely. Like I don't think people would do that. So no. I mean, just because you have uh, a euros or something, you're not going to say, okay, I'm going to give them VRT. Uh, you know, just because they're nice people. Mm, I know. Um, Plus, we never see it. We never see the money. Like they take all this VRT, which is one of their biggest tax intakes per year is yeah. VRT, right? And the, the motor industry is the single, if you take the industry as a whole, it's the single biggest tax, in, tax intake of the car, of the, the government of Ireland. Mm -hmm. um, but we never see it back. The only time you see it is when you drive up the north, because over the border, the roads are far worse than on the south part of the country. Yeah. Far worse. There's not, I think there's only one country in Europe that has higher taxes on cars. Is it Sweden or Norway? I saw it only last week. Yeah. We're the oh, yeah, second. Norway yeah. is also highest. the happiest tax-paying country in the world. Do you know that they're happy to pay tax? I don't understand that because they see it. Well, and yeah. The results are clear, like. Well, yeah, like they sold the oil and they put it back into yeah. infrastructure for EVs. But if you've got free bins, yeah, free healthcare, free doctor visits, or so, you know, if there was something where you said, "I'm paying my tax," and the result of me paying that tax is I get this thing, mm -hmm. and it's it's good, it's clean, it works. But in Ireland, we, we can, there's even websites to look at in Ireland where the tax is being spent. It all just gets spent in roadworks, in resurfacing, in planning permission. It's just, it just gets dwindled away into some public-private partnership you never see it again.
and then it'll be used for something else. Yeah. God, we'll dip into that pension fund. No one needs that for for the moment. We don't need to build any houses. Forget about it. Just put it in the bank there. We'll get some interest on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Irish way of doing it. <laughs> uh, also, last night we landed in Frankfurt. Uh, Bob didn't quite go as far as clapping when we landed, but he did play the pilot compliment. <laughs> we met the pilot on the way out. I was chatting to him on the way down the stairs. So he was... He was a good landing. <laughs> what did you say? It was like, was that, did you land the plane? Yeah, <laughs> did you land the plane? He goes, yeah, it was a good landing. He said, it was a good landing. He goes, thanks very much. And then I said... He looked Bob. so happy with himself. Uh, he was chuffed. And then I said, Bob, uh, five minutes ago you said the runway came up and hit him. <laughs> Which he didn't say. <laughs> but I just wanted to embarrass him. And... Uh, it worked. I love the old pilots. You never see the pilots much. It's only when they get off the plane, sometimes they pop out to go and inspect the plane before they head off again. But it's called a walk around. A walk, walk around. Yeah. Bobby's getting very into the pilot's end of things. Yeah. He tells me about the left side of the plane, the takeoff <laughs> speed, and the taxi <laughs> ride. <laughs> For North Runway. An aerosexual, I think, is the is the correct <laughs> terminology, which is quite offensive. But uh, not quite as bad as people who go with their binoculars and just look at Ryanair planes all day. They yeah, all look the same. to sit in the thing. Because I was in the helicopter the other day. Oh, yeah. You were hanging out with, with Nadia, Nadia again. Well, I was in the helicopter with my own, but it was, it was going on film with Nadia from Astro Motors. Hello, Nadia. Um, You'll know Nadia from uh, such uh, TV shows as TikTok yeah. and Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Um, very clever. But the helicopter ride was really interesting. Really, really. I'd, I'd never been... It's a Robinson helicopter. So... You are, you are part, you are integral to the helicopter. It's only small, it's got four seats. There's a Robinson two-seat, there's a Robinson four-seat. This one was the four-seat, the longer version of the, of the helicopter. Um, and it's quite sporty of a helicopter, but you're in the window. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of glass. It's a lot, like you can see straight down as well as directly ahead and straight up. So you can see all around, like it's 360 views in all directions. So when you take off, you feel like you're, you're sort of Superman, like you're flying forward because there's nothing between you and the glass. Uh, it was very weird experience to take off. It was one, Ireland is one of the most beautiful countries on the face of planet Earth. We just don't understand that until we see it from the sky. Lots of green, lots of bogs. Yeah, depending on where you bog, are. The little thermal eddies coming off the bogs upset the helicopter a little bit. But it was beautiful, just beautiful. And we flew up to uh, Wicklow and I drove a Sharp up there. Yeah, what was that thing? It's like a little tank. It's got four huge wheels, basically four wheels and an engine, and then they put a cab on top of that that's waterproof. And it can, can it float? It floats. It's a boat, as well as being a, a proper off-road. Now, you can deflate the tyres and inflate the tyres from inside. From You press a button and it inflates the tyres. You press a button and it deflates the tyres to give you more traction. You deflate the tyres a lot to get flotation in it. Um, for you deflate the tyres? You deflate the tyres. Yeah, you get on to like 22% of its weight and it's able to just churn itself along like a little motorboat. It drives like a tank, so you get two little handles inside. You pull left to turn left, you pull right to turn right. Throttle on the floor, brake, clutch, five-speed gearbox. 45 horsepower, I think. That's all it needs. Point, yes, from 1.5 litre diesel. And you can open the front window and drive along with the front window wide open like an old Willis Jeep. And you close it down to go into the forest and you can sleep in the back of the beds. It's, it's meant for hunting. It was built in the Ukraine, that one was. They're stopping them in Ukraine now. There's actually one called Sherpa, which you can buy in the U UK now. Um, and how much are they? They like it. That one was €158,000 and it was new. It's going up for sale now. Natty's going to be selling it on Ashford Motors. So it's, I think it's on their website at this stage. But, um, God only knows what you'll do in that video. It's an exciting video, I'll tell you that for sure. <laughs> I, I'm driving, Nadia's sitting in the passenger seat and we're churning our way through a swamp. 
is the uh, pure bog swamp up in Wicklow, uh, going into places where no other car could possibly be. Uh, amazing little machine, built in the Ukraine originally and, and brought in as a hunting machine. If you were going with a couple of mates of yours up the mountain hunting for a weekend, that thing is going to drive you right to the top of the mountain through the bog and crap and muck. And How many people would you fit in it? You'd get six people inside it. Easily, we had six in it. And, and name drop, you even had a very well-known British motoring journalist message you about this. I did, yeah. Johnny Smith was instantly onto me going, how do I get a go on this shirt <laughs> thing? Can you organise it for me? Uh, so we're trying to get a second go. Because I actually want to make a second video about the owner of it as well. It'd be really good because he's an interesting man. Uh, I can't name drop his name at the moment, but he actually owns a submarine as well. Don't know, submarine? A, a submarine. I don't know what you're going to do with a submarine in Wicklow, but we have... Um, British Bay. Yeah, a submarine and something else. And there's all kinds of... There's all kinds of people out there doing all kinds of, and they're only coming to light now because, because television is such an exclusive little platform of a thing that only makes a certain amount of programming. But behind the scenes, social media like TikToks and Instagram and YouTube or podcasts have now brought these people out in the open to go, yeah, well, I actually have a shirt. Mm. A, a thing for invading a small country and a submarine and I have a helicopter and all these people are coming out going it's brilliant you know it, it, like yeah you're right though like RT can never make a one-off uh, TV show about the weird vehicles people have in Ireland no but thanks to social media social media can though it's amazing Good. to see because there is some exciting machines in Ireland we don't see them very often they're often hidden because uh, there's a lot of begrudgery in Ireland and that's not a bad thing to say because that's the way Ireland has always been there's a sort of a there's a point where people are going through, they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and everyone loves them, and then all of a sudden, everyone turns against them because they're now too famous <laughs> to be interesting anymore. So That's what happened to Boys On. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what happens to them all over time, yeah. So it's a strange place to have, to have good, nice, honest cars, like bringing out... Uh, we were at a, a Limerick Cars and Coffee recently, and what turned up at it was a McLaren F1. Um, and you were saying I, the owner was just letting everyone just, just turned up, open the doors, let people get in, walk around. I'll just to put that in context. A McLaren F1 sells for about 21 million quid these days. There's none left. What a god! And this guy just drove it. The car he didn't bring it on. He's an Irish guy. It just turned up. Yeah, it just turned up. Can I don't know if I can mention. Can you say what he does? No. Uh, I can't even. I don't even do that either. 21. 21 million quid worth of a car. And, and he I do just gets out and walks away, and that's it. I do. One. I do love that story. You, you love to hear of people who like. Are genuinely passionate about cars. Yeah, they've got loads of money, but they're not kind of protective with it. Like you can imagine the type of car you just want to park it up and lock it. Yeah, you don't want people crawling over the seats and yeah, yeah. putting their greasy fingers on the screens. But like that's like petrol Eds. There's a guy on Instagram. He's a mate of mine as well, Ed Dunn. Um, uh, but Petrol Ed has a collection of cars. Most of them are movie cars. A lot of the movie car stuff that you see out there. He made the Ghostbusters car, for instance. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, which you might have seen at a couple of car shows, and it was at Cannonball last year. Um, he's coming along on our Bumblebee adventure this year, so you meet him. Um, I don't know what car he's bringing. He might bring, he's a Ford, F a Ford GT40 as well, a new one. So, yeah, I want to do Bumblebee this year. It's an incredible charity. Um, I, don't, I don't even want to talk about what you told me yesterday about some of the little kids know, yeah. and the smiles on their faces um, because they, some of them just want something so simple. Can I, can I sit in a Ferrari? And it's, it's, a lovely, it's a lovely thing to do. So fair play to everyone who's, who's been involved with it and the guards. And, um, but I'm probably going to be bringing an EV to this. <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to go down. I don't know. It's an RS. Now it's 300 brake horsepower EV. Yeah, uh, it's a fast joke. And it's brightly coloured and have all the stickers on it. It'll look the part, for sure. Uh, and I, as, as it currently stands, I, I can need a co-driver. 
So I'm not I'm not asking on the podcast for people to volunteer or anything, but I, I do need a co-driver. Yeah, he needs a co-driver some money. Go halves. I'm trying to have a look at uh, our driving forces podcast at gmail.com email account because we definitely got some messages there over the last Hundreds of fan mail. Thousands. So while I'm searching as prepared as always, is there anything else you'd like to tell the class? Well, yes, if you want to do uh, Bumblebee, you can apply. There is some spaces on it. Uh, but it'll probably be over or just about to kick off by the time this podcast comes out. But it is a, a charity event. There's no employees in Bumblebee. Uh, we don't pay the staff to be there. We don't pay for... Uh, we pay for the hotels and we pay for all that stuff. Is That comes out of your, your entry fee. But anything that's left over at the end of Bumblebee and all the buckets that are collected and all the donations and scan me things that scan on the front and me walking around going, put your money in a bucket with a megaphone, that all goes directly to Little Blue Heroes. It's one of my favourite charities run by Angarda Shiakona. They give up all their free time uh, to be with the kids who are sick and seriously ill children from across Ireland and families uh, get the chance to go out and have blues and twos in the car and you know, dress up as honorary guardas and they get a proper guard number, honorary guard and a number to go with that like a guard does and they come along in our Bumblebee event and they'll check your tax insurance. <laughs> <laughs> and possibly issue a fine or two and your NCT <laughs> yeah and the NCT is this your vehicle where are you coming from uh, I got an email from Andrew Meehan how are you Andrew uh, hi guys how are the balls of your feet I'm about to pull the trigger on a new BMW X3 30E PHEV mm. why are car names so long very long days? aren't you yeah. before I do any thoughts on that car or potentially do you recommend other models over this one it's another small SUV, isn't it, though? I'm not really yeah. It's a good car. But it's a baby X5. How many of these SUVs? Pull into it. A good, a good test is to go to Tesco's and Dunn's and Super Value and stuff. And just sit in the car park for a few minutes so you can just spot another one. Exactly like the one you're ordering. And then you probably shouldn't order it. Because yeah. Because <laughs> you're going in the bargain beside that person someday. Um, My biggest issue with PHEVs is just it's the initial extra cost. Yeah, it's yeah. like nothing, yeah. A petrol uh, X3, I, I don't have the figures exactly at hand, but I guarantee you it's, you know, seven grand cheaper. Or yeah, straight petrol, yeah. Right, it was grants even for plug-in hybrids for a little while. Mm. Um, they quickly obviously went away. And like they will do, like the BMW one will do somewhere between 50 and 70 kilometres. Range Rover, um, again, the, the P440E. Not far off 100 kilometers on, true, on yeah. full electric. Um, so is the Kia Sportage is 70 kilometers on yeah. their longer range. Getting better all the time, but yep. it's just that extra cost. And for what? To be able to say you drive a plug in hybrid? I, and often, because they, they mount the batteries for the plug in hybrid bit under the back seat. Yeah, it unsettles the handling of the car. Yeah, it completely upsets the rear suspension of the car. So when you're coming off speed bumps, you get this seasicky, bouncy thing that happens on the back because it can't cope with that suspension thing. Not that that happens with the X3 that he's looking at. The X3 is a good car. And if you're looking at prestige, I suppose BMW has the prestige logo, right? Yeah. The brand is good. But if I was buying something right now, I would try to steer clear, as far as I could, of SUVs. I just would, because there's just so many of them on the road now. You no longer feel a bit special or a bit different. And they're not that tall anymore. They're not as tall as, as you know, people with the driving position. They're not as tall as you think they are. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's But it is a conundrum, because there isn't really 
Like I can't say go buy a big fast estate like a Skoda VRS or something. That wouldn't make any sense either because you're coming no. for a family car. No, I mean look, they'll definitely if, like if you can char like if you work somewhere and you've got free charging or, or subsidised charging, you're going to run the car very cheaply. But it's it's just that initial outlay. It's like mm. when we the motor tax rates changed in July two thousand and eight. I think it was, or was it seven? I think it was eight. Eight, and everyone was, was rushing out to buy cars because they had cheaper road tax. But yeah. like, but you're having to give a garage twelve grand in your old car. It's like, yeah, know, how many years of road tax is that? Yeah. Sometimes I don't know if it's just an Irish thing. We can be just a bit blindsided. I'm not saying Andrew's being blindsided by the price either. But just, yeah, we, we can kind of fixate on everything except the actual cost to change yeah. of the car. The distance between the two and the I mean, false economy. Solar panels. We were talking about that today, but the solar panels charge your car at home. Yeah, you could probably save a bit of money, but it's going to take you ten years to save enough money well, to pay for the solar. It's, <laughs> it's at least five if the if the if the cost of energy stays the same. Now there is talk from June and July, electricity to the actual customer end user, us Joe Soaps, should drop. But it should because the wholesale cost of gas has gone down. And then if you spend your twelve grand or your eighteen grand on your solar panels, it could. It, it's, if it, I, I don't think it's going to go down to 20 cent a kilowatt hour, but if it did, that's suddenly uh, making your money back period is maybe 12 years or 10 years. Mm. The other thing that uh, I read last week, solar panels will generally last 20 years. So if you're in your 40s now and you're finally seeing a bit more money because your kids aren't taking crash money or whatever it is, and you, you say, okay, well, I might go solar. You'll have to replace them again when you're just coming up to retirement age. Yep. Um, you also have to clean them a lot. To make them I didn't know that. Yeah, you so, have to, like, to wipe uh, them because they get, they get dirt and grime and stuff just builds up on them and then the efficiency goes down. But I wouldn't get up on the roof of my house. So, yeah, so is, is that an opportunity now for a solar panel cleaners? Yeah, you, you should be part of your window cleaning system putting up there and cleaning solar panels as well. But you um, know some lad with a ladder and a bottle of very liquid <laughs> at your solar panels? <laughs> and a little yeah, squeegee. <laughs> I think you'd have to get like... Proper solar people who know what they're doing. There must be people that know how to do these sort of things. Because you could disconnect them when they're up there as well to make it worse. But um, like I have, I have three roofs at home essentially. So the front roof faces. What do you live in a shadow or something? Is it? Then a back roof, and then there's then there's a, there's a bit of the back of the house which is a lower roof. So it looks like an extension, but it's actually built that way. So there's a normal roof, and then there's a lower chateau roof. de Flav. Yeah, kind of a chateau area. Well, it's not. It's only a small house in, in, a, in a three bedroom, seventy thousand house instead. But the lower roof would suit me down to the ground to put, to put solar panels on because I could put them on for a start because it's only on <laughs> the first floor. And secondly, I could go up there and clean them myself. So I could do that yeah. easily. Uh, so that would suit me. But it's not what get. I'd only get uh, summer. During the summer, I'd get a lot of sunlight that area. But during the wintertime, not so much. Maybe not as much. And then you, the batteries are important as well. If you are thinking about solar, you need the battery storage to try and... But it's not far away where you will... Many, many electric cars will be able to, because the car is sitting outside in the driveway, maybe fully charged, maybe 80% charge. You're not going to use that charge over the next few days, or you might use 20% of it. Why not sell it back to the grid Ooh. from your car? Vehicle to grid technology is something that was mentioned here today, but we've heard about before, yeah. uh, coming for years. But now it's here. Now it's here. Vehicle to grid technology. The idea is that you can charge your car from solar in work, or you charge your car from solar at home, uh, you leave the car plugged in, the car has smart systems in it, and in that respect, it gets rid of some of the battery back into the grid uh, and allows charging in both directions, bi-directional charging from, 
from the system, the car can charge other things and the car can be charged by the grid. It's an interesting way of making some money back. So, Andrew, I don't know what way we told you to go with your X3. True, yeah. You might have bought it by now. Could have bought it by now. I mean, similar things, what else? So, got the Q5 from Audi. What's the Volvo one called? I can't They've got so many. The, the XC40? The XC40 PHEV one. There is an electric one of that as yeah, well, though. There's a full electric one, which is a lunatic. It's a 400 ish brake horsepower dual motor version one of them desperately tries to get rid of its own tires all the time <laughs> it's not even want these tires no um, just throw them off and drive on, on the rims it'll be fine what else have you got obviously lexus the rx is there it's probably a bit there the rx next week i haven't driven in a long time though. it's a, it's a new model yeah it's a new model which yeah, i haven't driven anything lexus in so long i've forgotten what, what they're like yeah they almost build really good cars but no one ever seems to really buy them in big i have numbers, you know? i have a serious soft spot for lexus they yeah. really do. They're great cars. They make great cars. Young lads like the Lexus IS200 because it's a two-liter petrol and can rev to bones off itself. The Alteza version has a Yamaha uh, engine built by Yamaha in it. It can rev even more. You get a pop filter on it too. It makes all the kind of noises. But that, but that, that NX one that we drove a couple of years ago in uh, Mallorca, that was, that's a lovely car. Yeah, lovely uh, car. The interior is lovely. The quality of it. The ES300H I quite That like. car... Probably not last year, maybe the very end of 2021, was €51,000. Very good value. And it was cheaper than the 5 Series and cheaper than the A6. I'd love to know, actually let me have a look right while we're doing this, how much is that car now? Because that is, apart from the CVT gearbox, which is a little bit windy and you don't really expect that kind of noise in a premium car, mm, it I, sounds I feel. Funny. I find the engine, because CVT is constant variable transmission, there's an eCVT now, which is a different one again. It's essentially like an elastic band going back and forward. But what it does is bring the revs to 6,000, 7,000, and then it just sit there as it's changing gear. So you hear this huge engine noise that never goes up and down, not like a normal car going, it doesn't do that. It goes, and stays there while you're accelerating. So it makes a funny sort of noise. But forgiven that, I had the Lexus uh, ES300 or 350H or 300H, I think it was, uh, for a week when I was going on a Lexus trip because I needed to change cars. So I got a car on a Friday and got the Lexus. And I kept it for the weekend, and I was never as happy hoovering about in that car. So quiet, and it just got on. It was yeah. so well built and so quiet inside. It was just a lovely thing to drive. What are we talking about money-wise? The dynamic model, which is the entry, and this is not exclusive to Lexus, but just I remember thinking when that price was announced, I was like, that's really good value. That car has jumped by 10 grand. Wow. So it's now 61. Wow. Now, I'm sure it's all relative. I'm oh, sure if we go on to the 5 yeah, Series and the 6 Series, yeah. or the A6, uh, they've jumped. Uh, and the top of the range, ES, is 60, sorry, 73 for a premium. But I'd actually go for the F-Sport. F-Sport the one I'd be. Which is yeah. 6 grand cheaper. Yeah, F-Sport is lovely. But different seats and things. That was really nice. Good dashboard as well. Not an obvious choice for a lot of people. Some people kind of... If I see an older gentleman driving a Lexus, I kind of assume he's a... A banker or an accountant yeah, or something, yeah. but they, I, I really do love them. Lexus say when people, when someone buys a Lexus that they stay with Lexus for a lifetime. Yeah, they, they buy a Lexus, they hold on to it for a very long time, and you've seen a lot of like 08s and 09 and 2010 Lexus still on the road, yeah. still doing their job. Um, I've seen a few pumping out blue smoke now, but yeah, the odd one do that. As they get older, they start. Oh, as you go, the older ranges of course are much bigger. Uh, when they start to approach with V6s and some V8s as well, you can get in the Lexus wow. way back when which are still very sought of because they still actually fit that V8 will fit into an IS200, the older car. Jesus. You can literally just transplant the engine on top of itself. 
uh, and get a, a V8 version of the engine. But um, yeah, Lexus for me has always been one of those cars. It's it's a, a sleeper thing in the background. You don't really think about it. Mm. People ask you what car should buy. You go, should look at Lexus. Lovely interiors, not a squeak out of them. No. Um, good looking. And yeah, I good warranties, good everything on it. But now that's not telling you there. We're going back to email for a second to, to not buy the X3, <laughs> to buy a Lexus instead. But there's a Lexus RS and we the one that brought us onto that. Uh, or RX is the one that Lexus produce similar to that thing. Um, but the it's hard to say to not buy an X3 because they're actually really nice to drive and it's a good premium brand and they're doing all the right things. But I just look at the price. I look at the price of, of a petrol X3 Straight versus petrol, yeah. the plug in hybrid and see. What's the jump? And if it's not, if it's four grand or something, okay, maybe. Um, you drop that on Raider guided cruise control or something. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, you get it in there. But yeah, I would look at the price very carefully about what you're buying when it comes to PHEV. And it, it's also debatable that if you can make a PHEV work very efficiently in that you're not starting the engine full time, you probably should have bought a full electric car. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, just, you know, work, work it out. It might actually be better off for you to go. Uh, full battery um, and just take the jump you know because mm. um, they're not as bad as people are making them out to be their they're, infrastructure is not great but the cars are getting very good now we're getting some really tasty stuff yeah I still want them to drive a bit better though like they don't make any noise when you're driving which is a, which for me is the, like, I have that ENIAC RS you're taking for Bumblebee now and it's a lovely comfortable thing really wafty and smooth but it's not an RS when you put your foot down there's no noise yeah, just, it's just and it's kind of small wine. It's fast in a straight line, but I think it's two point two ton. It's very wide. It's very big. So like, it's heavy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. And the heaviest cars are not the most fun cars in the world. I'm driving a one liter petrol this week, a Ford Focus, and I'm loving it. It's got a six speed manual gearbox. Lo that screen Ford put into the Focus in the facelift version is brilliant. Yep. The graphics on it are fantastic. It handles well, and the Focus is always. Golf always tried, as soon as the first gen Focus came out in 99, whatever it was, it always handled better than the Golf. Yeah. And that McPherson strut set up, and then Volkswagen copied it. Not copied it, but the Mark V was very much had to handle at least as good or close to the Focus. But they, they never lost that, you know. Mm. And it's, Ford is a weird one. They've, like, for such a massive company, it's kind of like they're imploding a little bit. I know they've got the Explorer coming, but yeah. in the last few years, it's like, who is in charge of Ford? What are they doing? They all Why are they letting? Because yeah. they generally make bloody great cars. Yeah. Driver they get rid of all the cars. ones they actually that we we all enjoy. Yeah. Mondeo's gone. Galaxy's gone. Fiesta's gone. Just about on the well, way out. The Cougar, PHEV, yeah. and, and um, yeah, like it's kind of throwing out the baby with the bat water sort of thing. Yeah. What, what you're good at, you stay being good at. Ranger <laughs> Raptor, I love. It's a great car. I uh, love the Fiesta ST. I would, if someone said to me, you can pick one car for, again, that was under 30 grand. I don't know if it is now. I think the, if you got the performance pack on it, which got you uh, limited slip differential, maybe just crept over 31. But mm. it, that, what a car for the money. Ford Focus RS. Yeah, but that was bonkers money. That, that was, was 50 mad punts. money, but it was a mad, brilliant car. Yeah. Like, it's so much fun to drive. Either slow or fast. You just leave it in the RS mode. Don't don't take it out of RS yeah. no matter what you're doing. But you drive it hard and it loves you. And I never you drive one of them actually. And it's still loves you. It's a fantastic. It was on a press beat for a while and I 
I never got over it. I had to put petrol in it. I drove it so much. Was, <laughs> I that, was that a green one? No, it was a blue with with the. Because I remember the Mark One Focus RS. Yeah, that was the green. That was the yeah. The, the one that was the, was on the front cover of Auto Express. There was a big green one, a beautiful looking thing. Yeah. And there was that that kind of Ford Racing blue. The last version of the RS is the one I'd be happiest in because it's just basically a Ford Focus when it's turned off the RS mode. It's nice and quiet. It gets on with the job. Very huggy seat. But when you press that RS button, you feel every inch. Yeah. Every inch of what that car can do. Drift mode engaged, the whole show, it's absolutely enormous fun. And we'll never see it again, unfortunately. Sad times. Mm. I've actually just reminded myself as well, I haven't made the video yet, but I'll have to tell you sometime soon the story of how I got a Ford Ranger Raptor stuck in the Dublin Mountains. <laughs> I've seen the pictures. <laughs> and had to get help out by a friend of mine who has a total Land Cruiser. And then the funniest thing was, this thing was covered in muck. I had basically beached the thing by accident. And uh, an hour later, it was back, freshly prepared and washed for the next person. And he was on the way to Galway and he was behind me on the M50. And I was like, that did not look that look like that an hour ago. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you for uh, joining us uh, here in Frankfurt. It's got very quiet here, isn't it? It is, yeah. All the guys are going home. From the Kia Summit. And uh, as we promised, next episode we'll tell you about the EV9 and loads more details. Please do spread the word. A couple of people have left us reviews on the iTunes brilliant, thing. Isn't it? Thank you for we're that. spread massively. We're, I'm kind of humbled by it, to be honest with you, because we never really... Like, it's not like we spent all day promoting it. No. And yet we're flying along with the listeners. We don't, um, we don't do big levels of research. We're just kind of talking about stuff that we're seeing and reacting to. And yeah. So, uh, yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, it's brilliant. Thank, Thank you very, very much. much for subscribing and following and whatever it is in your, in your podcast zone. Stalking. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>